everyone. Welcome back to But Why the Podcast. And today we are getting into one of my favorite animations of all time, The Clone Wars. As always, I'm your host, Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And we brought back a super special guest, Aaron. Hello. Hi, how like, you doing? I don't, I don't sound like a chipmunk today. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is definitely a super... difference between Dark Materials and Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. Both also, epic fantasies. Yeah, but also super excited to have you back because we know that you're a huge Star Wars fan and it should be a really good time. I'm excited. And although I would like to take the honor of saying I'm going to lead this, there is a man who is a bigger Star Wars fan than me, and that's Adrian. Me? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sit yeah. Sit down, Matt. <laughs> De- definitely Matt. Yeah, definitely Matt. Uh, yeah, so I'm leading today. But the great thing about this is and this is – um, I don't remember the last time we've had an episode where like we've all watched the same thing. Maybe Halo, but that was kind of like a you know unique opportunity. But we've all watched Star Wars: The Clone Wars. So my intro question today is really just, what is your favorite Star Wars: The Clone Wars arc or episode? Because I know that we're going to talk about our favorite stuff. So I just want to get it all out now, so we know where we're at. Uh, we'll start with not Kate. We'll go with Aaron first. Uh, I'm going to go for something. Very obvious, and it's got to be Darth Maul because that whole thing was just stretched over so many episodes. Obviously, seasons, uh, but first seeing him when he comes back as like Spider Maul, and he was such a great character as well from like the uh, prequel movies uh, from the Phantom Menace, and he was just so underutilized. And when they brought him back, I was like, no way! How is how how? And yeah, it's just phenomenal. And uh, Sam Witwer as the voice of Maul was just fan. Fantastic. One of my favorites. Well, because Great. he was a All fan right. favorite, so they had to bring him back. Uh, what about you, Kate? Um, so I want to say something with Ahsoka, but I actually think the most emotional I was, and, and I'm just going to use them overall, is just the clones themselves. Rex, Fives, all of the stuff they go through, um, both in the last season and then before when they start learning their personalities. Like, for some reason walk in and it's actually good for the clone wars because like you go in and you expect to learn more about padme like this show made me finally love padme get more obi and anakin and that kind of stuff and of course ahsoka my girl but the depth that they give to what we all have known as star wars fans is just the faceless troopers is on a whole nother level of storytelling and they do it in so few episodes um so yeah I also cried yeah, so, like a baby at the end of their at the end of the season with them because it hurt. Yeah, yeah. So, it's something that we're we're going to talk about in terms of kind of like why they focus so much on like the side characters and why that's an emphasis. So definitely something we'll talk about for sure. What about you, Matt? So I was going to thinking about going with the clone because I do think that's a huge thing and it is hard to watch that last part. Like I don't know how many. I don't even know if I've actually like watched if there's any episode that I've ever skipped. It's been like that last part because you get to a certain point and you're like no. But honestly, the weird thing is I do enjoy watching anytime we bring in Yoda just because he's so sassy and then watching him fight all the time is great. And I think it's just one of those like I'm going to be a dick and I'm going to kill everybody and then I'm going to say some weird wisdom thing and then walk away. And like, you suck, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> that is how he always leaves Out. the room. He leaves the room by saying, and you suck, Anakin. Yeah, that's literally what happens. Yeah. He comes in here and goes, man, you stupid Anakin, you can't do anything. I'm going to kill everybody. Then I'm going to say something cool. Look, you suck, and now I'm going to go take my cane, and I'm going to walk away. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go on a whole vision quest, but I don't care what you did on Mortis. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Kind of like how they expand a little bit on the main characters. Um, for me, I think it's a little bit of, of a mix between the clones and the Darth Sidious arc, mainly because the whole fives thing is crazy, right? We get to see the clones try to, and we'll talk about this because it's one of, he's one of my favorite characters. But also, we get to also get to see Sidious being like Sidious, right? He's not just like the you know, we'll watch your career with great interest because we know that he's Sidious later on, but it's actually him manipulating everything around him. Mm-hmm. And we're all just sitting there like, why isn't anyone listening to Fives? Can we just listen to Fives, please? He He's right. Um, I think that's one of my favorite arcs. I think for a long time it was, it was I was with Aaron with a Darth Maul, but I think with my latest rewatch and with doing the Palpacast with um, some of our writers for But Why Though, I, I just really enjoy that five slash Palpatine arc where he's just manipulating everything. Nice. So I, I guess before we get started, can we go like so? How many times have you actually watched the show, the full thing? For for me, I don't really have a count, really, because I've watched it a bunch. I mean, okay. I watched it a bunch when it was on Cartoon Network, when it was on you know Adult Swim. I watched it when it was on Netflix. I've watched it again now that it's been on Disney Plus. So I've watched it a lot. I might have watched it more than I've watched like the prequels themselves, probably. Okay. Which I guess we can talk about when we go in. I guess we can start production and go like where people where people started. I'm yeah. probably Kate? at like it's hard because I watched it when it was coming out as well at the very end. Um, but I would probably say I have watched it on a streaming platform at least five to six times all the way through. Yeah, about in you, some episodes Aaron? more. I do you know what I've only watched it once. Um I actually didn't watch it when it was live. I had troubles with it just because um when it first came out i just i couldn't associate it with like a a star wars animation for me it took a little bit of time to kind of reconcile and kind of be like oh yeah no this is cool this is still star wars it's good um it it just it some of the animation at first was hard i i felt like it was um it it looked a little cheesy it was hard for me to kind of swallow um so it wasn't up until someone finally kind of twisted my arm and got me to watch rebels and it was like part way through season two and i finally you know went through and watched that and i was like i'm gonna go back and give the clone wars a, a decent shot although no one warned me about the way to watch it so i had to learn that the hard way yeah i've yeah. never <laughs> watched it chronology chronologically i've never watched it's, it that way it's good it's really good when you watch it chronologically. It we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about kind of work like i don't want to work it's really not show. it's it's really not. Well, and, you know, I, hopefully I'll get people to go back and kind of rewatch it chrono- uh, chronologically because it's really good. And it's really not that hard. It's really just like the first three seasons is kind of like. The yeah, part. once you get past a certain point, it's just it kind of does go chronologically naturally anyway. Yeah. So what about you, Matt? How many times have you watched it? Um. So I think on streaming platforms, I think I've watched it one time full. I think Kate, I think me and Kate watched it, rewatched it. Mm-hmm. When, probably the first We've rewatched we it twice. Well, I don't think I finished the second one. That's what oh. I was saying. I've at least rewatched it once with you fully, and then I think I did half the second time. But the fun thing is I actually watched, like I believe, the first season or so actually live. I remember watching the very first episode. It was one of the few shows I was actually excited for with Cartoon uh, Network and everything. Yeah, there was a lot of people excited for it, and we'll get into that too. Yes. So I think we have like a nice kind of um, breadth of people. I think Aaron's perspective on only watching it once, and that's after the fact, because a lot of people watch Clone Wars and then they watch the other stuff. So seeing Rebels first is definitely an interesting perspective. Because I know people in like the hierarchy, some people hold Rebels and Resistance over the Clone Wars. I don't really agree with those people. I don't either. But I don't either. I know some of our network does, but you know, 
you're entitled to your wrong opinion, right? <laughs> um, so as we always do, we'll talk about some production history. And the production history really isn't that long, so we'll be able to get into the why those and kind of talk about um, our favorite characters kind of more in depth. But interestingly enough, if you have been following the series since the beginning, the series actually be- began as a theatrical feature film on August 15th, 2008, and then debuted as a series on Cartoon Network two months later on October 3rd. 2008 and the movie itself is basically just like a bunch of mini episodes yep. in one thing it's not it's not that great they futurama it like they did with yeah. everything else during that time period yeah they basically just futurama it and by that meaning you know they just put a bunch of like episodes together and kind of put it in one thing and then gave it to us as a movie as to kind of debut it it's not great but i think it does a good job of at least introducing the characters like ahsoka and kind of like the dynamics of what's going on but it is essentially the series itself is essentially set in the Star Wars galaxies during the three years between the prequel films, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith, which is interestingly enough the same period as the 2D 2003 t- TV series Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Not the same thing. We're talking about the 2008 Star Wars: The Clone Wars, not the 2003 version. The um, flat version. <laughs> yeah, the flat version. Uh, this the 2003 version was a 25 episode miniseries from 2003 to, to, to 2005, directed by and I've looked up this name up so many times of how to pronounce it. Uh, Jendi Todorovsky, because he pronounces his first name a little weird, and he's the same person who does Dexter's Laboratory and Samurai Jack. And the animation takes the style from Samurai Jack into the series. It's very short. But very good. You could probably go watch the whole thing on YouTube if you want. Did you guys watch this show before the Clone Wars or know what this show is about at all? I did, nope. mainly because of Samurai Jack, honestly. I don't think so. I was I think really big I... into it. Uh, I don't think so. I think I remember it, but I just don't. It was one of those I didn't like the yeah, animation. Yeah, I, re- I remember it being out, but. I just I don't. Just I don't like... think I like the animation because I don't really. Not the Dexter Laboratory is bad, but I don't like Samurai Jack's animation. Ah, okay. Well, Aaron, if you like Samurai Jack and you like Star Wars, you will like this this mini series that's very short. I mean, the episodes are like 15 minutes long, but it also has some of the coolest fight scenes ever. Like if you want to see Anakin and Asajj Ventress and probably one of the greatest lightsaber battles, that's not Canon ever. It's that one. Ventress looks amazing in this. It is so good. If you want to see just like it's, it's like um, the force awakens or like the force unleashed levels, ridiculousness with like the Jedi powers in a Samurai Jack kind of universe style of animation, and it's really, really good. Um, but interestingly enough, the character designer, Keelan Pluckett, referred to the character designs from the original 2003 series, and animators reviewed the designs from that series and then went on to create the animation style for the 3D version for Star Wars The Clone Wars, the 2018 version. And obviously, Todorovsky wasn't involved in the production and definitely criticized George Lucas's decision to revisit that era because he kind of really covered a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of battles and kind of stuff in between. Uh, he was quoted as saying, I think it's easy. Uh, I think it's an easy thing to do, but because he doesn't, because he doesn't have to come up with a whole new thing, there's so much more he could explore outside of that. Um, so he didn't really like that, but I think he does it a little bit better when we get into the Dave Filoni and things like that. It's, the, that series was good, but it doesn't give you the kind of character development and the rewatchability that you get in this new series. 
Um, and like I said, the Clone Wars premiered on October 3rd, 2008 at 9pm on Cartoon Network. And Matt, you said you watched the first episode? Yes. Like you tuned in live, yes. 2008, 9pm, yes. you were there? Yes. You you were there, Matt. You were there. I know everybody thinks I hate Star Wars, but no, I actually have. <laughs> I did like watch this weekly and stuff when they did it. Yeah, so the, the show actually became Cartoon Network's most watched series to premiere on Cartoon Network. And the series averaged 3 million total viewers in its debut, according to the Nissan Media, Media Research. And the show began airing on Adult Swim on March 14, 2009, making it the series making it the series the first to premiere on Cartoon Network and Adult Swim at the same time, which I think is super interesting. Really shows the uh, level of reach that the show had. You had it showing to little kids, and you also had it showing to adults at 3 a.m. It was on still Adult a little Swim. weird, though, to be honest. Definitely a little weird. As a person who watched a lot of Adult Swim and you go from like that to Clone Wars, it was like, uh, what? What happened? I mean, it's not bad, but it was a little... Yeah. There was definitely a transition of of content there. Yeah, especially in those first couple of seasons, because the first couple of seasons are kind of like lighthearted. They don't really get darker into like the later seasons, but by 2009, we're already into some of the later seasons, so it's interesting interesting enough, and Matt was one of those three million viewers. I don't remember if I watched the premiere live, but Matt... You were there. I do. I remember a lot of things I watch live. There's a lot of things that, well, one, I just remember a lot of things, but two, like, I do remember a lot of the shows that when we go back of watching it live, I remember sitting there, my TV. Actually, when I did watch it, it was cool because I actually had a setup like this, and when I put, uh, basically, I had my corner desk, and then basically, I actually had a TV in my old room that was mounted on the wall above me, and so that's how to save room in my room, so I just sat there like this. You can't see Matt leaning back in his chair, but it seemed like a very great perspective from a 2008 Matt. Yeah, we could put a what do you know, people like look like a hospital TV. That's how we did my room. Same room, TV. <laughs> so from that premiere, the season, the show would go on to have six seasons with 121 total episodes. With the seventh season coming out very shortly, which is why we're doing this. Like a season seven is almost here. Um, much like the movies, the series didn't release chronologically initially. And this was done largely in part because the series was meant to be more of an anthology to highlight other characters and groups. But they eventually rolled into a chronological order by season four when it started to focus on the main characters like Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan and and, um, Ahsoka primarily. If you are interested in watching the Clone Wars in its entirety in chronological order, in our show notes, we have the link to the StarWars.com website that gives you every episode chronologically. And Disney Plus also put out an Essentials episode, uh, Essential Episodes to Watch before it's uh, the Season 7 premiere on Disney+, Plus, mainly focusing on Ahsoka because it looks like she's going to be one of the main people, as well as a lot of the Mandalore stuff that looks like it's going to be in that show as well. So if you're not caught up and you don't have time to watch 121 episodes, we got you covered with some Disney Essential episodes. But if you want to go through everything, and chronologically, StarWars.com definitely has you covered for that. Would recommend. This is so yes, confusing. Kate. I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely confusing for sure. Nope. I mean, it's so like I, I get it. it well, it's funny. So it's actually really cool. So I remember when this first happened. It was from a fan, and I thought that it was just some weird thing. And then, like for me, at least from my perspective, seeing it go from like what I thought was a fan thing to literally a list on StarWars.com is crazy. Um. Also, like I just binge, and that's really hard, but. I have been told by so many people that I'm missing out by not watching it that way, but I don't really understand like what I'm missing because I've seen it so many times. 
Yeah, so when I show it to new people, I show it to them in chronological order. Like my wife, I showed it to her chronologically because it's really not that difficult. Like, I mean, for for context, you start the the chronological order with season two, episode sixteen, episode one, season sixteen, and the theatrical future. Season three, episode one, season three, episode three, and then it kind of goes back into like your normal, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So it's really not that difficult to do. It's just like some episodes are kind of thrown in there randomly, but it's not as difficult as, you know, sitting someone down who's never watched ours before and being yeah. like, all right, we're going to watch episode one. And I hope that that gets you into it. And I hope that it's good enough. That's oh, fair. Well, that's a, that, that was my watching. So I watched it sequentially and I, you know, watched the movie and then watched into the shows. And I was like, did I miss something? I was constantly kind of <laughs> questioning myself, like, wait. Where's Ahsoka gone now? Like, what's going on? And then there's like different storylines kind of contradicting each other. I was like baffled. And it wasn't until I spoke to someone who's a, a huge Star Wars fan. They're like, oh, no, no, no. They showed it like they released it sequentially, but they showed it like chronologically out of order. And I was like, why? And I actually heard a story about this. Apparently, like George Lucas was just coming to the writer's room and just like add different stories. And like, oh, no, I want to go back to this bit and like do this whole story. And like the writers were like, Damn it. Like, because they'd already, like, written a bunch. So, like, that's why early on it was so jumbled until, like, they finally, I guess, developed a, a pace for it. Like, again, that's what I heard. But, yeah for, yeah, for me, for the first time watching it, I was so baffled until I found this this link on StarWars.com. And I was like, this is really helpful. Yeah, so it's a little bit of that. A little bit of, like, Dave Filoni really not wanting to do what we got initially so it's a little it's a little bit of both. A little bit of George Lucas, a little bit of Dave Filoni, but we'll talk about that a little bit in the but why those towards the end. So we'll definitely cover why it's out of order. But the real main reason why it's because they try to do it in an anthology in the very beginning where they weren't trying to focus on Obi-Wan. They weren't trying to focus on Padme or Anakin. They wanted to give Jedi Masters and all this other cut kind of stuff their kind of due. So that's why it's a little kind of out of order and why we focus so much on the clones, like Kate mentioned earlier, so early on in the seasons. Uh, over the course of the time, I just wanted to kind of mention them because I think they're really good performances. Some of the biggest awards that the Clone Wars has had over its time, at least to right now, we don't know what's going to happen with season seven, but the behind the actor voice awards, and these are just people who have won, but Barbara Godson, who also plays Rita in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, won an award as Mother Talison, who is fantastic. Sam Withwer, which we've already talked about, he's Darth Maul. Like, come on, man. He's Darth Maul. Um, won an award for Darth Maul. James Errol Taylor, who's done lots of DC voices from like The Flash and et cetera, et cetera, voices Obi-Wan. He won an award for that. Corey Burton, who does one of the main voices in Kingdom Hearts, won an award as Cad Bane. Nika Futterman from, interestingly enough, Hey Arnold, Olga, Helga's sister, voices Ventress, which I did not know. <laughs> I did not know this. until this moment. <laughs> and That's it's insane. very... If you know anything about Hey Arnold and Olga, Helga's sister, that is not Ventress's character literally at all. Really not even really her voice either. So it's a really great role. And she won an award for her uh, voice acting of Ventress. And Ian Abercrombie, who, you know, I think in terms of what we're talking about here, he was uh, Alfred in the Birds of Prey movie from way back in the day. Lots of other stuff. I think that's kind of like the most notable. And he does Palpatine's voice um, before he died. And he also won an award for voicing Palpatine. They've also had some daytime Emmys as well, uh, primarily for Outstanding Special Class Animated Program. They won that a couple times. I don't know what that means, but they won it. 
Um, no idea. No idea. And David Tennant, who is Doctor Who, won an outstanding performer in an animated program as Hu Yang, which is one of the uh, droids who takes care of like the younglings. He won an award for that, and then you also get an award for outstanding sound or outstanding achievement in sound mixing as well as a daytime Emmy. So maybe not like some of the big awards that we've seen, but I think the bigger thing is that these voice actors are phenomenal, and at least in my head, really take as much importance as you know an Uma McGregor when it comes to Obi Wan because the voice is so good and so relatable and so that voice. Um, you know, we have Sam Witwer's Darth Maul, who is literally Darth Maul in my eyes yeah. and in my ears forever. I was going to say, in a solo, uh, Sam Witwer actually voiced Maul instead of um, Ray, Ray Park. Park. Yeah. 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 Which is huge. Then, totally huge. Fun fact, James Arnold Taylor actually voiced his inspiration for Obi-Wan. was not. It was partly what Ewan McGregor did, but he actually, he said in an interview, he based it off of making it almost like a Liverpool accent, like kind of very Beatles. Mm -hmm. So if you go back and kind of listen to him when he talks, he has this kind of like Beatles twang to it, which is funny because Ewan McGregor's Scottish, so that's his attempt at an English accent. So <laughs> it always made me laugh. Like, how did he come up with the Beatles then? Like, it was just, it always made me laugh that. Yeah, so just really, really solid voice actors kind of from start to finish. I think everyone in this series has really good voice acting. I think also one of the great things that they've done after Disney's taken over, which is for better or worse, depending on your opinion, some of the audiobooks, they've had some of the characters come back and voice their characters. Like Ahsoka in the Ahsoka book comes back and she does the audio for the Ahsoka book for the audiobook, and it's fantastic. I don't want it any other way other than hearing the voice actors who were in the Clone Wars doing their voices for that time period. Because it's really, really good. I have read like not that many Star Wars books. I don't I, I can't get into it because that's a whole nother rabbit hole that I just can't go down. Um, but I did on Adrian's recommendation because I love Ahsoka. I bought the audiobook for Ahsoka and I bought it I think like two years ago and I listened to it because I, I traveled by myself for the first time ever and I I just listened to it nonstop and finished it before I got home and I was like <gasps> This is so good. It was just like continuing the series. Like there's something there's something about look like we 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 attribute looks to characters. But I think that there's something deeper when it comes to voice because. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's really important, especially considering, you know, the rise of Skywalker literally bought some of the voices that we have in the animated series back in kind of I mean. I guess spoilers for The Rise of Skywalker. But if you're listening to this episode, it's February 12th when we're recording this episode. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? But, you know, you have Kane and Jairus from Rebels. You have Ahsoka's voice in that. And that's, to Kate's point, super powerful when the voices are that important, just as important as the visuals of the character, for sure. I mean, we've talked about this before, too, of, like, uh, having voices, how it can even make it break. Because we've talked about before, we've had people like, oh, yeah, I like reading their work. And then I hear them talk, and I'm like, I hate this. And the same concept of like, <laughs> oh, you know, I hear their voice, and I already know what they look like and what we're doing and their characters they've already done. So, like, a voice is a very powerful thing. I mean, I mean, it's what hurts some of the How to Train Your Dragon stuff because, like, they get yes. all of the voice actors for most of the seasons of the show that were actually in the movies and then they change it I think at the very end and it's like oh this isn't right yes you can definitely tell best for people paying attention it can definitely best when it comes to animate it you can definitely make or break a character by their it's changing. also the reason why I refuse to watch Dragon Ball Z subbed 
because I yeah, hate Goku's sure. voice actor. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because I, I, I think it like when it comes to animation, like when you're when you're getting connected to these characters, I think it, it's less reliant on the way things look than it is in live action. And I think that it's why you end up. I mean, I think it's why the sub versus dub debate is stupid overall, because essentially it's what you start watching it as that you get attached to. So that whenever you hear somebody else say something or say if you hear another voice behind that character, you're like that's not the character. Like there is no Japanese dub there. <laughs> dub. There is no Japanese version of Cowboy Bebop for me. It is just that English dub. I have, have never listened to it in Japanese. I will never listen to it in Japanese. It never happened. That's fair. <laughs> So I was going to say, did you guys notice with uh, Palpatine when they changed his voice in this show? Mm-mm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's it's a very noticeable person. It's it, At one point, it changes to Tim Curry. And I, it's there's something about Tim Curry's voice that's just very noticeable. Oh, but wait, he was yes. not the ori- It's later on in the seasons when they change him, and I was just like, ah, oh, see, that's Tim Curry. Like, he's, too, he's just too noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting enough because like he didn't get any nominations or any awards for his voice, um, but you know Ian Abercrombie did, which is like an interesting point. But to Kate's point about you know it's hard to listen to all of the lore and watch the book or listen to the listen to the books, read the books, read the comics. You know, I guess the movies aren't that bad, but now we have so many now. But the Clone Wars in my first but why though really lets us dive deeper and easier into Star Wars lore than we ever really had before. Even though the 2003 version of the Clone Wars is fantastic, has lots of great action, it doesn't have the kind of deep dives into lore and characters that the 2008 version has. Um, and that's really a testament to why this show is so great. So Which if this gonna, goes into... I was going to say, like, this is one of the reasons why I do love the show, because as much as I've seen and I do enjoy Star Wars, I enjoyed only mainly at this time the video games. And so this show was an easy way to definitely learn a lot more without me having to go find a bunch of books and a bunch of other stuff to listen to or read or anything else. Yeah, and also to your point, too, even for the video games. So, like, what we're mainly going to talk about in this but why, though, is definitely some of the side characters and main characters <laughs> cultures that it covers and just kind of a different version of the forest. We might double dip when we talk about some of these things, but I think it definitely starts with the characters and the clone wars really highlights just about every star Wars character in continuity during the time in between episode two and three, our main characters of course get their due. But as I said before, this was designed to be an anthology. So the lesser known characters like the various Jedi masters, bounty hunters, clone troopers, separatists, and really previous only legend characters really get their time to shine in the clone wars personally and then you know, we can add in more more to here but some of my favorite characters aren't even from our main movie cast so cad bane the duros bounty hunter that resembles like kind of like the wild west cowboy cad bane off- is the best bounty hunter he is my favorite <laughs> yes he is my favorite when i played uh star wars star wars galaxies um i'm not gonna go into i'm not gonna go into a ramble but star wars galaxies <laughs> is one of the best mmos of all time uh, I played a bounty hunter and I played like a pistol bounty hunter. So when I saw Cal- Cad Bane, I was like, oh my God, this is basically just my character from Star Wars Galaxy. So I love Cad Bane, um, that Wild, Wild, Cowboy- Wild West cowboy vibe that we really don't get anywhere else. You have Hondo Okinawa. Uh, oh, Onaka. Onaka. I'm thinking of Japan. Uh, Onaka is a wild card pirate who definitely plays multiple sides during the series and even after the Clone Wars. 
Captain Rex, the clone commander assigned to Anakin, probably one of the best clones out there. Fives, the clone trooper, like I mentioned at the beginning, almost exposes Order 66. Asaz Venturist, the former apprentice of Count Dooku and later an assassin on her own. The baddest bitch in all in all of Star Wars. I love her. I could write actually She's I should I should write an entire piece about her. I love her. Asaj Ventress is the first time that I fell completely in love with a Sith. Like not yeah, fun fact. Go ahead. Yeah, fun fact. Kate almost named Leia Asaj Ventress. Yes. And then Adrian was like, that's real that's hard to say. Swing. Just go with Leia. <laughs> that's a swing. <laughs> Should I say not when you're drunk? I shy. Well, no, I was going to name her Ventress. I was going to name her Ventress. And Adrian was like, happened. that's too hard. That's Just go with Leia. Asajj is, Asajj is also, like, I think for me, um, Star Wars has some really badass women, but there are a few of them, and a lot of them get put into, like, really strange boxes sometimes and as much as i have issues with asajah's ending like she's one of the most powerful most competent and most well-written women in the in the entire star wars universe and i just want more of her yeah it's really good uh shameless plug to kevin scott's uh dooku audio book where it kind of goes into like his ventress's backstory it is phenomenal you get to see ventress's kind of like being Count Dooku's Apprentice, and it's really, really good. If you like Asaz Ventress, you need to go listen to it because it's that good. They also have like the you know book version, but I think the audiobook is just really, really uh, the bee's knees, especially because Ventress comes back and does her actual voice. Again, kind of like the Ahsoka thing. Hearing Asaz Ventress go through all of these things that she's going through as a complex character, and that is really, really great. So plug to Kate. <laughs> go listen to it. It's really good. <laughs> Um, and I guess now, I guess Maul is more of a main character, but at the time of Clone Wars, Maul, Darth Maul is still a side character, basically, and he actually gets to do things, and is probably the only Kenny-esque character that gets his due in the franchise after all the fan support. You know, everyone loved him, then they killed him, and then we get him back, and we don't get that really anywhere else in Star Wars, you know, from the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy. I remember the trilogy. fact that they were, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, we... We just killed him, and then all of a sudden everybody liked him. We realized, oh, we made a mistake. We killed him. We didn't really. Yeah. That wasn't the plan, but apparently everybody loved him more than we did. What am I? That's definitely. I was going to say, one of my favorite memes on my phone is the one where it's just Darth Maul yelling from the Clone Wars. Like, after he, like, it was it was like this, his first thing after, we, after he was in the pit, and he's just yelling, and it has, like, a breaking news banner. It says, breaking news, man, too angry to die. <laughs> I like that actually. That's fantastic. It's my favorite thing. I keep waiting to have a, a time to use it, but I, I have it saved because I love him. Yeah, I mean, he has a fantastic arc. Like Aaron said, it's one of the best parts of the entire series because we also get Savajo Press, who is Darth Maul's brother by blood clan. I don't know. It's really never like really said said. Um, but we get a, a Savajo Press who is basically becomes Darth Maul's apprentice, and that whole arc is fantastic. And one of the best there because we get to see Maul actually go through being a Spider-Man to being a almost able to take over, you know, the throne from Sidious. But, you know, doesn't do it because Sidious is a actual gangster in the galaxy. And it opens up so much like cool story because from there you've obviously got, you know, that's your first uh, with Savage Oppress. You know, you get Dooku with the, going into Dathomir with the... Um, Mother Talzin, and then that opens it up eventually once Maul comes back with the the Mandalorians, and it's just, it's so good. 
so, so good. good. And then it even goes further than that because we also have you know his thing with Obi Wan in like Rebels. Like it's it's a character that definitely, like Matt said, they messed up real bad. <laughs> it's like the like the Arrested Development meme of like I made a big mistake. Like that's their one of the, their biggest mistakes. Um, so fun fact but, for me, my first water character of Star Wars, Star Wars of the Old Republic looked like Darth Maul. <laughs> that is interesting. I didn't know that. That's we don't see cool, him because actually. we never play that character anymore because we play the white side now. Oh, that was when gotcha. Kate and I. No, that was when. No, that's when I played by myself. I believe that was or when no, you that, played by yourself before I started playing. It was no, your first. I believe, no, that was when me and you very first started playing. Uh, the first time we started playing, and then why we did we it. switch to? Why did we switch the light side? Because you wanted to. You hated your character. I messed my character up really bad, and I was over it. And so Matt, being the nice guy, he has just switched everything over. I had to go save all my Aww. scientists. All they did is kill scientists throughout the whole story quest. Yeah, and then I guess for consistency's sake, Swatter is Star Wars The Old Republic, <laughs> the current MMO of Star Wars that isn't as good as Star Wars Galaxy. It happens. Which is the goat. I will say my favorite alien or my favorite Star Wars race after the Takruda is uh, the Doth, the Dathomir people. Zabrak. Zabrak. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like that sect of like the Zabraks. They're so good. I love them. They're They're so good. They're amazing. Yeah, my well, my my bounty hunter in in uh, Star Wars Galaxies was Zabrak because of again, Darth Maul because he was so badass. Yep, he do some pretty cool things with him, especially like when his horns like grow and he gets like really oh, kind of yeah. intimate. Oh, it's, it's so cool. Another shameless plug for another Kevin Scott comic <laughs> book because it's really good. There's a Return of Vader's castle where it kind of covers him being just this creepy, scary. Spider Mall, and it's so good. I also so have that good. picture saved on my phone. It is so good. So if you want Spider Mall, definitely Return to Vader's Castle. We'll get that, get that to you. Also, in... there is a four hundred dollar Spider Mall no. statue that I have I've sitting. Seen in... that. It's immense. I have it on my Amazon wish list. Uh, don't not send that to me, please. <laughs> So for these first three seasons and kind of into kind of the later seasons, we really kind of have this focus on these um, other characters. But in season kind of halfway through season three, but primarily season four through season six, you kind of get more of a chronological order, but lots of arcs. And we go back to the main cast and we get to really see character development that we arguably don't really get to see in the prequels. So we get to see Anakin, who is really like, becomes an, a competent, passionate general who really cares about people. But we also see Lee slow him. We see him slowly become, frankly, like an abusive, power-hungry Jedi that we see in Revenge of the Sith. Um, the arc with him and Rush Clovis is terrible. He is a bad, bad person. <laughs> a bad, bad person in that arc, for sure. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we see Darth Sidious. We get to see his manipulations over the galaxy much clearer. And then particularly in the arc where he's essentially covering up Order 66 getting leaked. And also how freaking strong he is in the Force when he literally smacks Darth Maul and Savage Opress by himself. And it makes the scene in Revenge of the Sith more believable because he just dumpsters on both of them without really trying. And it is crazy, especially considering that both of them beat 
Count Dooku in like a previous episode in that arc. So it just really shows where Darth Sidious is in the kind of the hierarchy of, mm-hmm. of Sith. Uh, Obi-Wan, we get to see him be more than just kind of like the by the books teacher. He does, he breaks a little bit of rules in the Clone Wars, but also we get to see him have a really great love arc with Duchess Satine that hasn't really been fully explored yet. Hopefully we get more of it in the future, but we get to see him have a a general love connection with Duchess Satine, who is, we'll we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about some of the culture stuff, but Obi-Wan gets more than just the by the books character that we see in the prequels. And then as Kate mentioned earlier, Padme actually gets to do stuff like we see here in attack of the clones but not in Revenge of the sith she becomes like a you know barefoot and pregnant compo- in a in the yeah. Revenge of the hey, sith. hey 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 she dies of sadness <laughs> can't no, fix that see- sorry i'm a super powerful <laughs> droid but i can't fix sadness yeah <laughs> uh we, we get to see her become like a more than you know capable diplomat she becomes like shoots a lot of guns and mm-hmm. um, becomes, she's probably like a really great character. And it's probably like the best Padme when you're talking about Padme's that. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the, um, what is it? Uh, Forces of Destiny's yeah. Padme. Also very good. Well, cause well, I was going to say, also, I was gonna say, don't we also get the weird like relationship between her and uh, Anakin? Because you can start seeing the uh, difference yeah. in age. Yeah. Well, the yeah. difference in age, but also like just the, uh, the abuse. kind of manipulative yeah. boost. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The like, abuse, this is where I mean, you... the, the gaslighting that he does, the literally keeping her in certain rooms because he won't let her go anywhere. Yeah. He literally grabs her arm in one of the episodes, and I was rewatching this with Stefania. I was like, oh my God. This put me into the whole thing like Anakin, irredeemable. I don't care what y'all say. He is a bad person. Very, very, very bad yeah. person. No matter how good he is in Clone Wars, he's not a very good person. In the later half of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, yeah, yeah but I mean, so I'm just saying, like, right I was, there, obviously, we get all that, but I meant like even the beginning. You see when he like him coming competent, you see like Padme on a totally different level compared to him. That's right at the beginning. Are you talking about like maturity wise? Yes, yeah, like, I guess I'm yeah. Sure. That's why I said the age and maturity wise, like right in the beginning when he's trying to become like young Anakin to like become competent, and you just see Padme on a totally different level, and it just makes it very awkward to look of like Padme. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Like at least for like the good first half of so it's uh, this is weird at the at the at the first half of Clone Wars so like seasons yes. one through three I'm like, girl he is yes. way too stupid for you what that's are what I'm you saying doing? that's what I meant like from there I know you can see all the bad and stuff then at the end at the beginning. Four, I'm like, okay, y'all are now level. This is fine. And then it's abuse, 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 abuse. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's what I was talking yeah. about the beginning stuff of like you just see like Padme, what are you doing? But what I love yeah. what I love about uh, Padme and Clone Wars and it, I got a lot of the respect that I have for Padme comes from Clone Wars is because she is like a spy and she's not forced into being like active and uh, like she doesn't fight in the same way everybody else fights they actually gear her story towards letting her use her her intelligence as well as like just her own brand of like I'm not gonna burst through everything. I'm going to try to work things out first, and if not, I'll pull out my pistol on the side. Like it, and it's she, real. She good. actively like volunteers as well. Yes. Like she chooses that kind of agency to say, no, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, you can't stop me. I am I'm going yep. for and kind of choosing this for myself. Until Anakin starts yeah. locking her in rooms. Mm. This is true. Y'all took that starts... way too deeper, sadly, than I was trying to go with that point, but it's fair. <laughs> I was... Matt's was... point is that you really see how Anakin was nine and Padme was 14 <laughs> when they first met. Yeah. And I know it's only five years, 
but it's weird when it's that when it's that young. Well, I mean, even I'm the show sorry. just like doesn't even like the show doesn't even justify the age. It looks like almost seventeen and nine at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you're and not it's, wrong. It's, it's like this. I was to say there's another person on this list that I actually really really enjoyed seeing more of from the show was uh, Dooku. I thought like yeah. seeing Dooku because kind of like the front of like the kind of like the Sith and kind of seeing how he carries out all the orders from kind of uh, Sidious and kind of enacting all of that like and I thought he was like oh because you don't really I don't felt like you got a lot of him in the prequel movies and this just kind of adds those layers to him yeah I can definitely see that for sure especially when you see this thing with um Asaz uh Asaz Ventress which again goes back to the Dooku book from Kevin Scott um you kind of see like him doing this you know rule like breaking the rule of two a little bit which we haven't really seen before that of him trying to like train a new apprentice and, and things like that. So I definitely agree for sure that Dooku definitely gets a better do here, but he's still a bad man. Yeah. Agreed. So moving on from kind of the characters, and we can definitely talk about characters and some of this other stuff that we talk about here, but when we're talking about the different cultures that Star Wars The Clone Wars explores, um, we really get to see how war is affecting the galaxy at large. We get to visit cultures that, to be honest, we, ne- we never really see on the big screen on full display. Yes. Uh, we get to see... Yes, I'm exactly. sorry. Like I mean, that's probably one of my favorite parts about the whole thing. Not just the culture, but like I don't just get to watch a bunch of stupid humans the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. That's I'm why I don't on like. Record. I mean, the movies are cool, but like the movies to me, the worst part about them. Everybody else think we just see a bunch of humans, and I'm like, you all suck. Yeah, I mean, I'm on record as I like aliens in my space opera. Uh, so Clone Wars really does give me that. And we get to see really kind of how each world is siding outside of just the politics on Coruscant. So I think that one of the biggest things that we get to explore for me personally, and just for my love of Mandalorians and their culture, is the Mandalorians. Outside of like the armor that we see in Boba Fett and Jango Fett, um, we really hadn't seen anything visual on Mandalorian culture outside of the books, the comics, and basically Candorous Ordo in Not to the Old Republic 1 and 2, if anyone has played that game. Uh, he's a Mandalorian that we get to see we get more information about the Mandalorian Wars and anything like that. But we really don't get anything on that outside of like, oh, hey, their armor is really cool and they can shoot stuff really well when it comes to the uh, trilogy. Before the Clone Wars, their culture is really just seen kind of a warfare and race of people. But in Star Wars The Clone Wars, we really get to see that there's much more going on, particularly when we have the pre-Vizsla and Death Watch versus Dr. Satine and the kind of the pacifism arc. Um, where we get to see kind of, you know, Pre Vizsla who wants to Pre Vizsla and Duchess Satine's daughter basically wanted to go back to more of the warfaring Mandalorian ways where Duchess Satine wants them to be more pacifist and really want to be completely separated from the separatists and the Republic because Duchess Satine sees that uh I think one of her one of her biggest lines is she remembers when the Jedi's were peacekeepers, not generals. Um and we get to see kind of more of that in that Sometimes Republic and the Jedi Order aren't the best of people when it comes to the situation. Um, and that's just a really, really, really great part. I don't know if you have any, if anyone has any kind of like comments on that part, especially because we, because Mandalorians, we wouldn't, to be honest, without the Clone Wars, sorry, Kate, we don't get Yojito, we don't get the Mandalorian without the Clone Wars. Uh, and we don't get the Darksaber because the Darksaber yeah. makes its appearance in. Uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars and kind of first, that first introduction of Jon Favreau as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 no I and, love the Mandalorian be- stuff yeah it's just really it's really really great I think it really I think the biggest part of this is that it just really shows how one like 
in a big war like this, sometimes pacifism, not the best choice. Sitting on the side, not the best choice. Also, forcing people to choose a side, also not the best choice. So it really just shows kind of a not black and white kind of thing yeah. here. Um, but I think this really comes to a head on Onderon, uh, which is a planet in Star Wars. And many of the episodes, I think th- we're talking about Onderon and Ryloth in, in this regard, but many of the episodes feature the Jedi trying to support rebellions against the Separatist control and not really being able to help. And I think one of the biggest one is definitely Onderon, mainly because this is the first that we see of Saw Gerrera. And if you're familiar with the Star Wars film, Saw Gerrera is the eventual leader of the Partisans in Rogue One. And this is where we kind of see Saw Gerrera's kind of not black and white view and what kind of like leads him to go into a radical view because spoiler alert at the end of that arc, his sister dies and he becomes kind of like this more radical person when it comes to fighting oppression and things like mm-hmm. that. But we also have Ryloth because outside of the Wookiees, like the Twi'leks are probably get the worst treatment of any species. You mean just being sex slaves in every movie and every show and, and every yeah, comic? Definitely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hey, they they're make like, a bunch of bars like, for them. <laughs> it's it's like it's like one A one B when it comes to Wookies and Twi'leks because Wookies get to Wookies get all like the the slave work Twi'leks get all the slave slave work it's it's pretty messed up. Uh, but the early episodes of Cars the Clone Wars really hit on this almost immediately, and we get to explore their treatment and the liberation of their planet in kind of the earlier seasons, and we get to see Cham Sadula, who is consequently the father of Harrison Dula from Rebels, which everybody loves. Everybody loves Harrison Dula. Um, amazing. Amazing. People see she's the best pilot in the galaxy. No. Is she really, though? Poe exists. Is she really, though? Poe exists. Anakin exists. Han Solo exists. Poe exists. Poe exists. <laughs> Anakin exists. Luke Skywalker exists. It's it's fine. It's fine. It is but it really puts into the question like how well the Republic is able to protect these lesser developed worlds because as much as we have really great Twi'leks like kind of across Star Wars in terms of kind of like Harris and Dula and Champs and Dula, like their world is honestly pretty underdeveloped and the rebellion or the Republic struggles to protect them. So we get to see kind of like the red tape involved in this war of having to protect these lesser developed worlds. Yeah, yeah I, mean, that, I mean, that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this was always one of the most fascinating things to me, what people always seem to forget when it comes to stuff, is when you have this, of just seeing, like, because I always like, Jedi are good and everything else, but, like, you can't... Like, you're just a resistance. You're not, like, an actual fool of, like, resources. And so when they, like, make a lot of these promises, you're like, these are empty, and they're just kind of hoping for a lot of stuff. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh. I was gonna say no. It's just it's it's interesting because a lot of people sometimes criticize those prequel films for being like heavy in politics. But I always thought you know in relation to when you get to like places like Underrun and Ryloth, like they do a good job of kind of addressing these political situations without making it like heavy in the discourse, but showing the thing like you can't be everywhere at once. Like these resistance pockets have to you know kind of fight up and kind of get involved in a fight like obviously you see with Mandalore as well so I always thought it, it did a better job of expanding on that than the prequels had, had set up 
Yeah. yeah, and this is of course by like no like means the end all be all and like the biggest parts of that because we also have lots of stuff on Rodia with like the Rodians being yeah. you know not super on the fence. We have this the Mon Calamarans in like one of the, my favorite episodes of like the underwater episode with my man General Akbar shooting people with his you know Poseidon esque staff. After literally the day after the Last Jedi, I watched the Mon Calamari arc because I was mad. Right, the Mon Calamari arc is so good. Um, yeah. But on Ryloth, it made me realize that I had not, uh, when we got the Twi'leks, or Twi'leks in um, Mandalorian, that I had not seen them that developed since the Clone Wars, really. I guess the Rebels, yes, with Hera, but, like, I mean, more than, like, the brother and sister, I don't know, for some reason really hit me. But, Yeah. Oh, yeah, and for the for first sure. time in I live mean, action. But I do, yeah. like, even yeah. as, I guess, kind of to add on the points of all this stuff, but also we see, like, we see a lot of times where they actually literally bring trouble into these worlds. Like, they're just playing yeah. the point of Switzerland, and they show up like, you need to help us! And they're like, why? We've been fine. And then all of a sudden, like, fine, don't help us. And like, oh, well, they're here. Let's go attack this planet now. And we yeah. see a lot of them get, like, they actually drag planets obviously eventually if you play the statistics now they were doing eventually would have got to that point but you do see a lot of like them trying to recruit as in backfiring to end up actually doing detriment to what they were trying to do in the first place which obviously is a nice way for them to say see they're coming to kill us anyways i'm like yeah but if you would have never shown up uh, it might have been fine yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not wrong i mean there's plenty of instances especially um like one of like the earlier episodes is like Yoda and Count Dooku are literally having a wager on who is the better side. Yep. <laughs> on that's actually like a great episode. A, <laughs> it's a fantastic episode, but we have you just have like these two forces and the king being like, "Who's better, a uh, one Jedi or a hundred battle droids?" And like they just like let them fight, but we also get a bunch of clones dying in yes. like that that agreement where the two could have just like been like, "Hey, I kind of like." this person over this person and avoid that whole bloodshed part. Um, which kind of gets us into kind of some of the culture stuff that uh, or some of like the other stuff that we see. So we have like the night sisters, mother Talson, who is the leader of the night sisters. And this really shows a side of the star Wars mythos that we don't really see too often. Uh, while there's like a fair amount of mysticism that separates kind of like the force between not force like the night sisters really provide kind of that voodoo like dark magic which is basically the force but not really the force and it's just a really interesting concept especially when you consider that they basically all get wiped out because of dooku at the end and ventures is like by herself so it becomes a really darker part of the clone wars that kind of start of that darker part of the clone wars but also kind of this other part of the mythos when it comes to the force itself now to the most important ones. The clones. Yes. Yeah. They are more than just clones. We really get to see their bonds to their generals and that those that they're trying to protect. So again, on Ryloth, when you have like these clones trying to protect the, the Twi'leks on Ryloth, and this really just makes Order 66 harder to watch the more that I watch the Clone Wars because you get to see like Master Plo Koon, who has a very visceral connection with his clone troopers, and to see them shoot him down on Order 66 is very, very tough. But further, we also get to see how people treat them um, as basically just droids from a test tube. 
Um, this is really big in the Umbara arc with Pong Krell, who basically just thinks that the clones are just basically droids. And we have that whole arc of like him killing clones and being like, I don't care about you kind of thing. So a much bigger depth into the clones than we see really at all in, in the prequels. Yeah. They all, they mean something. For sure. And they all have unique personalities, you know, and it's really great that we get to see some of them in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Um, what was the arc I, with the janitor? That was one of... Uh, well, that was right in the beginning, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was yeah, one of was the like, very first ones. I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, it's like the one that we kind of get like the version of the clones. And then we slowly get to see them, all of them die throughout the series, which is very yeah. dark. Yes. Um, it it's not, it's, it's not great. It's not I, great, but also great. Right, it's kind of like that balance of seeing really great development, but then seeing them all die later on. I was gonna say, I have a question for you guys. As you went through the show, did you start to hear the clones with like a different voice? Yes. Like in the yes. way that they all spoke. Yeah. Yes. I, and I thought that was a, such a credit to, and I forgive me, I don't know the guy who, who voiced all of the clones, but like he was able to capture like different personalities within them, so they all had you know, a uniqueness about them. Which is fantastic because the whole point is they're clones. They are the same physical person, but they're not. And it, it was just that, that contrast is amazing to see. Like, well, no, because that's like some of my favorite episodes. Which obviously, like Kate talked about her favorite thing, but like especially we get in the beginning where obviously we talk about him killing, but like not even just that. Like if anything went wrong, they just abandoned the base. They just abandoned the ship, and they just said we're just gonna let him die. And there were so yeah. many times where they just made weird things where we just saw something got blown up and the clones had to do whatever. Um, I know they're stuck on a base with a tower. I think one of the earlier episodes and they're like, what do we do to save this? And we're, they're just clones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, D. Bradley Baker, if you're listening, we love you for all of your voice work on the Clone Wars. But no, that, Fantastic. Uh, but I think it also like really puts more into Revenge of the Sith, especially at the beginning. As much as Anakin is a bad person, at the opening sequence of Revenge of the Sith, like he wants to go back and help the clones when they're getting like mm -hmm. shot down and things like that. And Obi-Wan's like, no, we have a mission. But Anakin, who has probably one of the deeper connections to the clone troopers, wants to go back and help. That's really reinforced in the Clone Wars. Yeah, because sure. you see a lot of that. Like a lot of the decisions that do come is when Anakin like says, tells the council, like, no, we should save these clones. I mean, that's when you put to, to like him at the time. Yeah. That's a regular thing. Yeah. But, like, he definitely seemed to be one of the, like, lead, not really leaders, but, like, the best band of the clone to save them. And he, it is kind of... Yeah, like, you hmm? know, he never has to be... Like, uh, some of the other Jedi, they have to learn that the clones are, like, people, too. And yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. Except for Commander Cody. Screw Commander That's Cody. Fair. That guy's a jerk. That dude fired on Obi-Wan the second he got his order. Yeah, that guy sucks. He's awful. It awful. also make, it also makes it kind of sweeter with the clones and kind of like the relationship as well when you see them like in Rebels later on down the line and how Ahsoka mm. with Captain Rex. Um, mm. Yeah. It, and then obviously with you, some of the clips we see within the trailer for the new season, you're like, oh, it's going to break me. It's well, going to break me. It's also one of the things that I thought that they did really well, too, is, like, growing up and going to conventions and seeing people who make uh, armor, getting to see people make clone trooper armor and understanding that, like, oh, the clone trooper armor in, uh, the, in the animation, all of the different paintings and all of that means something. Like, that is yeah. a part of their characters, too, which I think is gives a new meaning when you see that in cosplay and that kind of stuff because it's, like... 
when people wear stormtrooper armor, like they're just face of stormtroopers. But when you wear clone trooper armor and you're wearing a specific one, like if you're wearing Rex's helmet, you know that they're showing that they have a connection to that specific character and not just the armor's cool. Yeah. Especially when you look at like, I mean, I looked through this whole thing of um, like Easter eggs and things like that. And then the clones who helped the little girl on Ryloth, like painted later on, you see him in the season, you see like her painted on his helmet. Like there's this humanizing that we don't really see, to be honest, really at all in the prequels, which is a definite shame. Uh, But from there, we also, we've also talked about this like a little bit, but we see a different take on the Jedi and the Republic. The Republic, a little bit harder to kind of say, okay, these people are bad because Palpatine's kind of running the, basically running the scheme this entire time. So like the bad stuff that they they do in the Clone Wars, you can just like chalk it up to Palpatine being a master manipulator. But there's also lots of things that we see with the Sith and like the Separatist uh, or the Jedi and the Separatists. So we do have examples of Separatists turning from the Separatists and becoming, uh, joining the Republic after they tried to try to change the system. So Lux Bonteri, uh, Ahsoka's kind of like pseudo love interest or people like Rush Clovis who tried to balance, find the balance between the Separatists and the Republic and ultimately fails. You do have a little bit of that, but there's also plenty of moments where the Jedi and obviously the Republic moralities come into question. So Pong Krell's treatment of the clones where he like literally kills a bunch of clones mm-hmm. because he just, he's just, he's just going crazy. The Zillow Beast situation where the Republic is trying to like kill like the last remaining Zillow Beast because they want to harvest their uh, their uh, that Zillow Beast hide because it's lightsaber resistant. The Ahsoka trial, we'll talk a little bit more about when we get into Ahsoka herself. And then just like the constant red tape, like we talked about before, about how to help season, how to help different systems, but not really being able to. When to be honest, you could just help them if you really wanted to. But they don't because it's the Republic and you have all this red tape. Um, And then just kind of finally kind of a deeper dive and something that is uh, just rampant throughout is just kind of the different take on the force on the big screen, especially before the sequel trilogy where we get all this deeper dive into what the force is really like. The force is basically just a mystery on how things work. But the Clone Wars really explores the nature of the force outside of just being like, Metachlorians did this. Um, and we get to see the Jedi and Sith view, but also how it is how other cultures are different from the Jedi and Sith view. So this really comes to a head in the Mortis arc, where we get to go to the realm of the Force, where we have the father, son, and the daughter fighting for balance of the Force. Morban, aka Corban, for my uh, nice little Republic fans, shows a further explanation exploration of the rule of two in the Valley of the Dark Lords with Darth Bane um, and Yoda, the Force Priestess, which is basically a representation of the living force and essentially explains how Yoda learns how to be a Force ghost. And then, of course, the Night Sisters, not purely the Force, but aspects of it, shows that there are different things with the Force. And they've explained other things going on from there in other books and things like that. But this is the first time where we really see the force isn't just black and white, just light side and dark side. There's other things to it that we don't really understand and isn't really explored well enough in at least the prequels through the original trilogy for sure. Yeah, it just adds so much color. Like the, the show really did such a fantastic job of just adding all of those layers into this and kind of like, especially for me, having not watched this when it was live and then, you know, following through with the films, and then coming back and like, 
why why did no one talk me into this sooner like it, it just it's such for anyone's for any star wars fans to go back and watch this it, it's so good yeah uh, what they did with the jedi with the republic with the sith and with the force is just i i will always hold this as one of my favorite pieces of star wars because what it did with all of this it made me appreciate the movies so much more because they purposely gave death depth not only to the prequels but also like with the force ghost stuff like stuff we see in the original trilogy as well and i think i, I know matt kind of mentioned it and it was one of your but why those but like it was nice to be able to get the feeling that people who have been reading this stuff got when they were reading like extra canon like outside of the movies and that's what i feel like i got from this yeah for sure it's it's really great um i think i haven't looked at the, the thing again but i think some of the essential watching doesn't really include a lot of this mortis more band force priestess night sister stuff but i think it's not required watching but if you want to see more deeper dives into the force you should go watch this stuff if you're like oh why does the sequel trilogy do all this weird stuff with the force well that stuff's ex like explored way before this so definitely go check that stuff out and kind of see the forces is in black and white and if you want other recommendations we can talk about those on twitter if you want some more recommendations <laughs> on how the force is different because the legend of luke skywalker really goes into a lot of that as well um kate reviewed the manga on our website i listened to the book so good. it's really good this is the kind of stuff i've always wanted from the movies as well so like having seen it in an animation i was like this is exactly what i feel like i've been missing sometimes in star wars or i mm -hmm. wish they'd go more ambitious and you see it in animation and it's just done so well see this is why aaron's here because aaron's on the same page as me i don't care about fighting stupid stuff over gas i want to see the force and people doing crazy stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh one of kind of like the last but why those with like the other one kind of just being a spark into the animated series like ahsoka ahsoka we haven't really talked about too much about ahsoka but because ahsoka deserves her own but why though because she's fantastic I think she's one of the biggest surprises of the Clone Wars series. And it turns out that Anakin has a Padawan that's canon. And the relationship really becomes like the heart of the series, even into the later seasons. Uh, much like her master, Ahsoka started out as a brash, um, kind of annoying, as I'm sure we'll point out, character. I'm waiting there. And <laughs> <laughs> but over the course of the series, she matures. She becomes truly a great leader and a Jedi. And then just in a real master stroke of storytelling, um, Lucas and Dave Filoni, um, you really get to grow by extension of Ahsoka. And a lot of the things that people identify with in this series come from Ahsoka herself. So today, like Ahsoka is one of the biggest female characters or characters in general in Star Wars. Yeah. It's why that she's been able to expand to the Rebels. It's why she's coming back in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And what could have been just really a stale, annoying sidekick became one of the most impactful and beloved characters in the Star Wars universe. You know, up there with people like Luke Skywalker and Rey. And Ahsoka... I, I was going to say, that is like the most fascinating part about Rey. Or not Rey, freaking Rey. But Ahsoka, because if anybody remembers season one or so, she is awful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's annoying in she that first movie. So I thought I was the only one. I, I am the only person who doesn't think that she was annoying, and that's fine. I actually guessed it on a Star Wars podcast explaining this. But no, why that didn't first... she was, but 
you all are you all are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> no, I think she ends up being a great character, and I do overall as the seasons go on, you learn to love Ahsoka, and if you don't, you question yeah. somebody in general. But no, that first season, like she is bad and she's annoying, and you're just like, can we just get rid of her? But the fact that they were able to turn her around and make obviously for Adrian's going to continue on about all her great accomplishments and how much she means to people is still fantastic and fascinating to me. Because, like, she is a terrible character, like, that first season or so. Yeah, I, I, I don't terrible. Know she is. She's I, annoying. She is sure. so annoying to me. She, I, mean, I had a very hard time swallowing her at, at yes. first. And, like, with the movie and stuff like that, I was just like, I don't know, maybe. But, like, everyone talked about it so positively, and I was just like, I don't know. But, like, as Matt said, like, as you go through, she really grows, like, and develops. And you see a relationship and, like chemistry that she has with anakin that like competitive streak that they have in the friendship um but she does she does grow she she becomes beloved and i'll i just love ahsoka now like so much so like she's so loved like people are screaming for her own you know disney plus show now as well yeah i mean it's one of like the biggest things when we talk about some of her biggest moments you know we see her teaming up with chewbacca to escape transition hunters in the final parts of season two um she takes out four Mandalorians to escape in season four. Uh, she has, she like, of course, the biggest part is we, you know, all the things that we said, right? Like she becomes a really great character, which makes it really, really hard when we get to the fugitive arc with Ahsoka, where she basically is framed for murder as a cover up for a terrorist, terrorist bombing on the Jedi temple. And then the arc would eventually lead to her being proven proven innocent but her confidence in the jedi order and the republic is shaken so she just dips she's like i'm out which her, i think really speaks to kind of the things that we've talked about me. before nah, her and barris because her and her watching her and barris's friendship go where it does and then seeing ahsoka essentially kind of draw the same conclusion after going through her stuff herself was fantastic and emotional and it was what I liked about it, and I think why Ahsoka resonates with everyone, is because I think a lot of what they did in storytelling was that they meant Ahsoka to be the viewer. Like, Ahsoka comes in and she acts like she knows everything about all the stuff. She, um, And then she learns, and as she learns, she gets more dejected, and she sees that there's more to things. And I think Ahsoka, and the reason she resonates not just with women, but also with guys, like because she's the pathway for the viewer to understand the world a lot bigger and get the lessons that Filoni and Lucas were trying to get put out there. And like after Ahsoka's fugitive art, I've never been able to look at the Jedi the same. And I totally don't think I could ever be a Jedi because I think I would either at the, at the best, I would be Ahsoka at the worst. I would be Asajj. But Asajj isn't even that <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But I mean, and it's also kind of tough too, right? Because we see like Anakin being like Anakin, probably the worst Jedi in history. Yeah. Because he ends up <laughs> murdering a bunch of kids. Is literally the only one who believes her, which is terrible. Like when the worst Jedi is the only one who believes her, y'all are doing something wrong with your order at this point. Mm-hmm. And oh, why does he believe her? Because they have an actual connection, and sometimes building connections with people is a good thing. Yeah, I also just love what they did with her as she aged up, how her costume changed from the first time we see her to the last time, and I guess now in Rebels and stuff. Like, it's yeah. done so much to show her growth, and I think it really helps that she's uh, Togruta, right? That's how you say it? 
her species. Yeah, Togruta, yeah. Yeah, like she's a Togruta because yeah. she's able to wear that not only in her clothing, but also in her, but her, her tendrils. her Leku. Her Leku, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, there's just so much to the character. And it's really cool to have an alien be one of yes. the best characters in Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. It's crazy how there's aliens in our space. And we opera. get to bring back cloaks <laughs> and they look great. It's awesome. <laughs> Matt no, loves I, a I, cloak. Yeah. I do. I, I fall for a cloak and a bow. We're going good. Um, but no, like, <laughs> cloak said, and like a bow. Said, as much as. <laughs> so all Janna needed, needs is a bow and she's. Yeah. She's 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it is one of those, um, as we all said, like, loving the. We see a lot of the good stuff in there. But no, it is. Except I just find it fascinating. Obviously, between her whole arc, her growing, but just just how much time they did put into her. And obviously, you said from the viewer part, that is a great perspective of things. Just seeing, just never actually thought about like her being the show, but it does make a lot of sense. I just like what they did with her, considering like where she starts. Like I don't know. I know Kate, you said she doesn't. Obviously, we said you know did, but just like we just don't get that a lot often, where a character comes from like by season one, you're like what to you might be the top three characters in Star Wars. <laughs> it's also like really ambitious storytelling and the fact that they use ahsoka in that way to be like listen the galaxy is just full of awful people like and even like the jedi which everyone's like oh we love luke we love the jedi we want a bit and then you like like kate said like you see the jedi for the organization for what they are the bureaucracy of it all and how they you know they've they've gotten twisted in their ways and you're just kind of like oh man like there is no great way to choose here. Like, it can all be twisted. You know, it's, you know, organization through it all. And it was just, again, I, I loved that they kind of showed that by Ahsoka's eyes. And you were just like, oh, man, like, it's it's too real sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So much so that we do see her, like we mentioned before, she does come back in Rebels. And we get to see her growth. She has longer Leku. She has different lightsabers. But she's back in the new series in like kind of this intermediate period that we really don't know what she was doing between now and then, if you unless you read books, I guess. But we don't really know what she's doing. It really has me excited that we're going back to her despite this still being the Clone Wars. So I think that in itself shows how powerful character she is. That you know they kicked her out for a whole season, but now she's back and everybody is super hyped for it. And then kind of just like my last, but why though, um, and just kind of in general, the Clone Wars itself outside of, of course, the 2003 Clone War series, really jumpstarts the animated series. And it all really starts with Dave Filoni because he comes in and is basically brought on to Clone Wars after his work on Avatar The Last Airbender. And George Lucas essentially gave him free reign with the exceptions of dealing with certain characters like Solo and Luke and like kind of changing what they did. Um, which is pretty big, all things considered, because at this point in this in time of the continuity, George Lucas is like really kind of steadfast with like what you can do with the continuity. And he was like, hey, Filoni, you're really good at what you do. Go nuts. Have fun. <laughs> and he just kills it, knocks it out of the park so much so that he's brought on for more Star Wars material. So he's done voiceover work for Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Rebels, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Star Wars Resistance. He's done acting in Mandalorian. He's an act directing and producing in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Resistance, Forces of Destiny, and two episodes, episodes one and five, in The Mandalorian. All just from being brought in to do this spin-off in-between series that we have. 
And he basically jump starts the other two series that are really the big ones. So Star Wars Rebels, which is set in between three and four, also created by Dave Filoni. Um, and the big thing for this is that the concept for this really kind of goes back to Dave Filoni's original uh, idea for Star Wars The Clone Wars. So he was quoted as saying, my rough idea was to deal with a small number of characters, a Jedi Master and a Padawan, a smuggler and his girlfriend, and a Gungan Shrogman called Lurker. Have them based on a Millennium Falcon-style smuggling ship and invoke them in a black market trade, war espionage, and other stories that exist outside of the giant galactic conflict in the background. That's basically what Star Wars Rebels is with like yeah. a little bit of changes there, right? Yeah. There's not a big Gungan guy, but the rest of that stuff is pretty much what happens in Star Wars Rebels. So even though he doesn't get to make his original idea in Star Wars, the Clone Wars, because of, you know, marketing and George Lucas, he does get that opportunity because of how well he does in Star Wars, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And even kind of going back to it, they kind of base a lot of the visuals for Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And we do see a lot of the animators and writers and creators from Star Wars The Clone Wars come back on for Star Wars Rebels. So even though that the uh, animation style is like a little bit different, it is definitely a lot of the same people working on it. So that's why it's still so fluid and kind of serves as, at least in my opinion, kind of a Star Wars The Clone Wars 2.0 in terms of kind of putting those two against each other in terms of like which one is better. Um and then the inspiration for Star Wars Resistance, which is the newest animated series, is set between episodes six and seven and was really influenced by Filoni's interest in World War II aircraft and fighter pilots with his grandfather's time as a pilot during the war uh, being a big influence on him. And in the announcement of the series, Filoni noted that the series would capture the sense of excitement around high speed racing which star wars had depicted many years ago in of course the first star wars movie as well as a bunch of the games and the show if you're not familiar with star wars resistance is basically set on a station primarily with new characters with occasional cameos of known characters like poe dameron and uh leo organa uh the show really has more of a deep space nine and cheers kind of vibe uh by design of course so he wanted to show a kind of story that takes place on one consistent setting where you get to know the patrons and you get to know the people and you get to introduce new characters and it's all kind of really about their way of life. So with the difference of Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars where it's really focused on kind of the big overarching things, Resistance is really more focused on kind of like how is the First Order getting all of these resources and things like that in between the two movies. And really all this really comes back to the beginning where now, Filoni started with Star Wars The Clone Wars, and now we're getting the final season in Season 7 with 12 new episodes with many of the voice actors making a return to reprise their roles, including Ahsoka, which looks like she's going to have a really big role. Looks like we're going back to Bandalore. Looks like there's going to be a lot of great things happening in this that's going to really inform on the Star Wars universe. And for me, I love Star Wars lore. Give me any new thing, <laughs> and I'm there for it. And I think that's what we're going to get a lot of. And it's really just kind of... And it's kind of a very quick but why, though, just because we're kind of running over time here. Yeah. I mean, I know that some people don't like him. I don't understand it. I really don't. I love Dave Filoni. I love what he's done. Uh, he's giving me some of my favorite people. <laughs> Definitely outside of Leia, my two favorite women ever in Star Wars. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> but um, I'm just excited. 
Um, I'm excited for the new stuff. I'm excited for more Ahsoka, <laughs> and I'm excited to get more in this story because I don't know, man. Nothing's hit. I mean, I guess Mandalorian hit, but like so far as like because I've I've I'm almost done with Rebels. I haven't even started Resistance, but like I just don't haven't cared about something as intensely as I've cared about for the Clone Wars and the animation since. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for more of it. I'm excited for the new technology they've used in this new season as well. Like, I don't know if you guys heard through Celebration that they've, um, they use the mocap suit for Ray Park, uh, Ray Park Jr. Um, to capture Darth Maul. Like, so he's actually doing, he actually physically did all of movements of Darth Maul. Uh, and they, they captured that into the animation. And I just love that because then you've obviously got that Sam Witwer voice still there as well. And, just again pushing the boundaries for the show like constantly trying to do something something different you know to to really make it the the best final season they can yeah i'm excited for this final season we'll see how it goes um i was with kate uh i tried rebels and resistance one the animation i don't like it but two just kind of just i couldn't get into it to be honest obviously i made the comment about gas um i don't care where they get the resources <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i just I think don't just care kind of, yeah yeah i think in the defense of rebels i think rebels is kind of has like the same kind of thing that star wars the clone wars has See, that was a little better season. for me but like resistance yeah. is no yeah resistance is a little no. tough i mean I, i'm a big I fan have, of star yeah. wars d space nine so i like kind of learning about new characters and if you want like the per capita of actual aliens in your soap opera star wars resistance has it because everyone's an alien outside of like the main character basically yeah, no, that's what, I mean, I saw it, it looked cool. One, I feel like I said, I don't like the animation of it. Um, two, was that also the one that was on YouTube that was weird? No, that's Forces of Destiny. Okay, whatever. Um, but I couldn't remember if that one was, like, what that was. But, I mean, I just tried, because I've seen, like, the clips and stuff of everything, and it's just like, I just, I just don't want to like the animation. A, it's it just a shame. I was, so, I was excited about that one, because that one was promised as, like, an anime-style Star Wars. So I had high hopes for it, thinking, oh, this the animation on this could be really really cool and it it, it just never hit, hit for me like i never got the the anime style feel from that yeah that they they had promised i think that's why i haven't started it honestly i've been yeah, told like said, to by people because of poe but i'm just kind of like yeah just watch the poe episodes because poe is pretty good in the poe episodes other than that i mean I enjoy it, but it's definitely not the kind of like required watching that I think that Star Wars: The Clone Wars is, or even at some point Star Wars: Rebels is. Yeah, uh, because it's just, it's just not as. So good I've, in all, my like I said, I've seen some of Rebels, and I've always wanted to go back and finish it. I just never get around because it's I'm so busy that I just add on to my imaginary list that I tell people I <laughs> yeah, have. Right, it's never going to be watched. <laughs> um, but one day, that, but no, Rebels. What I've always wanted to watch. Resistance. Like I said, I've tried, looked into it, and it just doesn't hit for me. And like I said. I want crazy force stuff and crazy people jump in, spin jumps and flips and lightsabers. I don't care about your gas and resources. I, I was going to say, I would definitely say that that covers a lot of what Rebels really yes. does. A lot of crazy force stuff is it, very cool. And you get to see the explore more of that relationship when Anakin is actually Darth Vader and you see uh, oh. he confronts Ahsoka and it's, oh, it's... It's one of the it's, best episodes. So it's, Rebels it's came so with... But, yeah, Re but it's good because of what they've done in Clone Wars. Like, they, yes, they're they linked right. together. And that's why, like, I can't rate one over the other because I, I love them parallel for different reasons. 
Yeah, and no, so Rebels, obviously, I was excited when I got it, but it was also at a time when I was just very busy, and then as things got more, got more busy. So it's never been able to, like, I don't like Rebels. It's not that. It's more of just, yeah. I don't care for resistance at all. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair, for um, sure. I was going to say something else. I forgot. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So I want to do want to wrap up with some quick fun facts, just because I thought they were interesting, and I researched them, so I want to talk about them before we get out of here, because we're already over time, right? So what's 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 two more minutes, right? <laughs> so in most episodes, the movement of the clone troopers and the Jedi tend to be from right to left perspective, a perspective that's generally reserved for the bad guys, and in the Clone Wars, they do that. If you look at the, the series, they tend to go right to left, which is a cool foreshadowing because eventually the, foreign troop, the, the clone troopers do eventually become, you know, Order 66. So it's a nice foreshadowing there, which I didn't realize until now. A lot of your animation or any, a lot of stuff you see, your bad guys typically go that right to left perspective. But in Star Wars The Clone Wars, they do it for the good, the good guys. I'm doing bunny quotes here going right to left. The great Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Joker from the Batman the Animated Series, does the voice of Darth Bane when Yoda goes to Morbond in that whole arc. Ventress was originally supposed to be the Sith Apprentice of Palpatine after Darth Maul was eliminated, kind of, sort of, uh, but it eventually went to Darth with uh, Count Dooku instead, which I don't know if I would want because I don't know if I want. I don't think you would get. Co- I don't think you would get Ventress as the complicated character that she is. Yeah, yes. so I'm okay with it being Count Dooku because I'd rather have Count Dooku as kind of like the one-off guy who gets his head chopped off than Ventress, yeah. for sure. Uh, Sergeant Oppo, who later who later becomes the clone commander who accompanies Anakin when he goes and slaughters a bunch of kids in Order sixty six. He's the the clone trooper who's like who tells Bail Organa to like leave, and that like little kid comes and does like a flip and does a whole bunch of Jedi stuff and gets shot down. That guy, um, his helmet and his name is a nod to Appa from Avatar: The Last Airbender, a show that Dave Filoni previously directed. And one last one on Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is apparently obsessed with Jedi Master Plo Koon. Uh, Plo Koon is the one who has like the breathing apparatus on his face and has a really great relationship with Ahsoka. He's awesome. I love him. Yeah, which is probably fantastic. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, Amazing. I'm okay with this. Which is, I mean, this is also probably why he has such a big part in the series compared to the other Jedi Masters. Uh, Dave Filoni has a bust of Plo Koon's head, a model of Plo Koon's ship, an autographed portrait by the actor who played Plo Koon, even though he got chopped down in like two seconds, a replica of Plo Koon's lightsaber on his desk, and his personal Plo Koon costume on display that he wore on the opening of Revenge of the Sith. And Filoni also has a notebook-sized planner on his desk with Plo Koon's picture taped on the outside, and he has written the words Plo Cool on concept art designs for the Clone Wars, indicating he liked some of those designs. See, this is what so, I love. This is what I love Dave Filoni. He's I love that so, so much. He is a big nerd, and I love it. That's too much. For me. And, <laughs> and that's but really he lived, all I got. He lives and breathes it. Like he loves Star Wars, yeah. man, and that's why. Like he puts it into the show. Like you feel that. Yeah. Fantastic having someone who really, really loves Star Wars and puts their whole heart into it. It's great. But I, I think the thing I like about Filoni, and you see it in the show, is like he also understands like fandom. There's like parts where like you'll hear like you know certain people mention like oh it's an eighty eighty and then they'll say it's an at at and then 
like he constantly like yeah see even people in star wars call it different things yeah like, and he just constantly addresses it and squashes it and like yeah done yeah it's great and then of course he's coming back to work on star wars the clone wars which is why we're doing this episode so um, we can wrap. I mean, we can't already done our final thoughts, right? We're all excited for Clone yes. Wars and and things like that. It's a great series that um, I know it's hard to like recommend. You know, other things outside of just the movies. But if you are looking for something to watch outside of just the movies to kind of give you more of your Star Wars kick after the sequel trilogy is sequel trilogy is over, Star Wars: The Clone Wars is where it's at and what you should watch because it's that good. Yeah. I ragged on the prequels real hard until I watched the Clone Wars, and then I went back and watched the prequels. I was like, okay, I care now. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, yeah, for sure. Phantom Menace still sucks, but <laughs> obviously, the prequels, are, I'm sorry, I still hate yeah. that movie. So I mean, but no, uh, but no, it even... doesn't get cut in half. We don't get Spider Mall. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I also think that the Phantom Menace is the worst. But it has the best lightsaber tool. <laughs> oh, no, delicious! But, yes. Yeah. But anyways, uh, no, I I do like the Clone Wars. It is uh, something that I have enjoyed over the years. Like I said, I've watched it multiple times. I'm interested to see what we do with the last with this last season. Um, obviously, we'll be interested to see what we do from now because it's kind of like they. I feel like they just threw this in to be honest, which is also weird how they did this. Like we're getting one last season, but. I don't know. What I also, I, I mean, I liked how they announced it as well because everyone was just kind of like go into, was it? I think it was San Diego Comic Con. Like, yeah, um, it was a Star Wars. Yeah. Animation Wars remembered. Panel. Yeah. Yeah, and then they just surprised everyone with it, and it, I remember that weekend because everyone just went nuts. It was like trending the entire weekend. It blew like so many topics of San Diego Comic Con out the water because it was just everyone was so excited. Yeah. And we didn't really talk about it too much, but there was that whole campaign of when it got canceled. Because it honestly got canceled <laughs> kind of abruptly, like the whole Save the Clone yeah. Wars campaign. So it's surprising and also not surprising that they would bring this back. I guess surprising after two more you know, series, but I'd rather them do this than give us another season of Resistance, personally. I'm fair with that. I'm good. But that's all I got. Uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars is great, and this was a really great conversation, and I hope that we get to talk about it on Twitter in a very peaceful and mature manner. In a way that Star Wars Twitter is totally used to. Uh, thank you all for listening. And if you want to... Oh, wait, no, I should ask Aaron. I do the I know, guest. I, yeah, that's right. Know, Aaron, thank you for guesting. Dark, but... Ah, thank you for having me on. Tell Thanks everybody where on. they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at BritishCPA. Uh, and then I also run a... Uh, site or a twitter handle called nerd social club with a, a group of uh, british nerds uh, that we like talking uh, and then you can find me on discord in but why though as well so i'm always available there I like he how tells you... you good morning every morning yeah positive like one you did not plug your podcast and apparently you just sit on twitter talking oh yeah i forgot one <laughs> podcast see it's late it's it's very late i'm i'm not thinking straight but yes go listen to my podcast as well nerd social club podcast uh, you can find all the details on twitter or subscribe on the many hundreds of platforms that are out there <laughs>
Thank you for coming on. And if you all enjoyed this conversation and you want to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythopc and you can get access to our show notes as well as episodes a little bit early. We're still reworking some of the higher tiers, but every little bit helps. And you can get involved in the conversation on social media at butwhythopc on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know it. And you can find me at omemethrandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? I'm going to go find a cloak. <laughs>